Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. As we continue in our series, Free at Last, and as we look together at the Ten Commandments, we look now at this fourth word from the Lord. We're going to look at this morning at uh, both Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. So listen to the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse 12, the same word, but with a little different focus or emphases. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray now that as all of us sit under the authority of your word, we pray by the power of your spirit through your word you will continue to conform us to the image of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us this morning, Lord, to hear your word, to receive it, uh, Lord, and to practice it in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis 2, a part of which uh, God attaches to this fourth word or this fourth commandment, we read this in verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day... God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation, that God intended for his creation to participate in his rest is clearly indicated in God setting apart the seventh day from the very beginning. The principle of Sabbath rest doesn't begin, therefore, with this commandment, but in the Genesis narrative when everything was good. And since God's resting was not related to God being tired, the rest that he offers is not first and foremost about relieving our physical tiredness. It's not about us having a lazy day even though physical rest is most certainly beneficial and may naturally result from our ceasing our normal labors on this day. No, the rest that God offers is the rest of entering into the blessedness of this day, the blessedness that results from spending the day 
with the Lord, spending the day engaged in the activities that God calls us to in this day. The Word of God is clear that this is to be a day unto the Lord, a day where He and the things He calls us to in the day are at the center. And of course, since the fall, uh, this has been the issue, that God is not at the center, that in our sin, we move everything and everyone else to the center of our lives. And in this decentering of God, this decentering of the Lord, rest gets turned into rebellion against our Creator, and it gets turned into oppression in our relationships with one another. We pursue our own labors and our own pleasure, both in relationship to God and in our relationship to others. In other words, we work toward our own ends and not the Lord's, and we work toward our own good often and not the good of others. Just, just consider what happens in the first Sabbath observance after the deliverance from Egypt when God feeds His people manna from heaven. He, he gives them instructions not to labor on that day and not to gather more than is needed for their own good. And yet, some of the people participate in both of those forbidden pursuits. They gather more than they need on the day, on, on some of the days, and others actually gathered on the Sabbath until they were confronted with their own actions. And thus, they demonstrated their tendency toward pursuing their own labors, toward pursuing their own pleasure, even on the day that was to be set aside for the Lord. And if we're honest, we're tempted toward and sometimes do the very same thing. We pursue our own labors. We pursue our own pleasures. We pursue our own labors. We pursue our own pleasures. Uh, even on the day that God has set aside to be the day that we focus on Him and His purposes. And as a result, we miss out on, listen to my words, we miss out on the blessedness that the Lord would have us enter into in relationship with Him and in doing good for others. We miss out on the joy that God longs to give us and the true happiness that comes in worship and in rest with Him. And so what the Sabbath then does, brothers and sisters, is it draws us back to who our center is. It draws us back to who should be actually the focus, not only of this day, but the focus of actually every day of our lives. What the Sabbath does is it teaches us how to put God back where He belongs in our lives, at the center. It teaches us how to seek the Lord and His purposes draws us back to where our center is and trains us in what it means to set Him and His purposes first in our lives. It prepares us for the new creation that is described in Revelation 21 when the writer says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the 
sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The Sabbath, brothers and sisters, is the Lord's day, and entering into that day is actually a blessing to us because in it we are drawn back to our center. We are drawn back to what the true purpose of our lives actually is, and it's not us, it's God. Amen, people of God. So how do we set aside this day as unto the Lord? How do we set aside this day as unto the Lord. I'm going to give you two things, and then we're going to end uh, today with some principles of how we actually set this day aside. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you the two big things first. We set aside this day by worshiping the Lord. We set aside this day by worshiping the Lord. Think back again to the Genesis narrative and what it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. The, the, the phrase, all his work, encompasses everything that God had done in creating the heavens and the earth. God had, des- had described everything he had done as good in creating the world as good. There was nothing broken in it. There was nothing out of place in it. There was nothing in it that caused harm. There, there was no tears in it. There was no death in it. There was no mourning in it. There was no crying in it. There was no pain in it. And, and those gathered at Mount Sinai who were entering into now this special relationship with God to be a kingdom of priests and those who serve God as a holy nation, those who demonstrate God's goodness to the rest of the world, would come to understand through their own proclamation and through their experience with him that the one who made and declared everything good in the creation is the one who is good in all that he says and in all that he does. They would come to know that the one who was to be worshipped, the one who was to be praised, is the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. The one who created everything good, the one who remains good in all that he does and says. Even in the world which we have broken through our own sin, God yet remains the good God who does good things for those who love him and worship him. And thus the Sabbath day becomes a day in which Those who have been called to be his very own people, those uh, who love him, spend their time worshiping and reflecting upon his goodness. It is a day, brothers and sisters, for us to lift our hands. It is a day for us to lift our minds. It's a day for us to lift our hearts. It's a day for us to lift our hands to the Lord. Yes, Presbyterians, our hands as well. I know y'all love lifting your brains, and I know you love lifting your hearts, but those hands are also to be involved in worship. The Sabbath day, 
when we spend, that spend time devoted to reflect on the goodness of the Lord and all that He has done for us is a day that He deserves to be worshiped and praised and glorified for all He is, for all He says, and for all that He does. And this isn't to say that we aren't meant to do this on other days. We are and should take advantage of every opportunity given to us to worship and reflect on the goodness of God. But God himself has set aside this day especially for this purpose. And how often you are doing this during the day with, uh, will vary family to family and person uh, to person. But doing it is the call of God on our lives as his people to set aside this day to worship Him. And this worship, brothers and sisters of God, is worship of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are reminded, actually, on this day of the title of a book I I once read called Redemption Accomplished and Applied by John Murray. What I mean by this is we are reminded that for us in our salvation, the Father gave His only Son to set us free from sin and death. We are reminded, actually, on this day that Jesus came and gave his life to set things right between us and God, us and each other, us and the creation. We are reminded that the one who was placed in a tomb did not stay in that tomb, but rose up from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. It is why our Sabbath is not Saturday, but Sunday. We are reminded on this day that the resurrection is coming for all of us who hope in Jesus. And and the guarantee of this coming resurrection is the Holy Spirit who has been placed on the inside of every person who has their faith in Jesus. I know you know what I'm talking about, but I just came to remind you that you have a reason to worship on Sunday. You have a reason to get up out of bed and get inside of your car and drive to this building and come inside of here and lift up your hands and lift up your voices and lift up your hearts because on this day you are reminded that your Savior saved you and got up out of the grave as a reminder that that day is coming for you as well. You have a reason to come into this house and sing, a reason to lift your hands, to stomp your feet, a reason to pray, a reason to smile, a reason to… Some of y'all just started smiling as soon as I looked at you. (laughs) But you have a reason to smile. You have a reason to have joy. No matter how hard your work uh, has been, when you come before God, you have a reason to worship. Being brought back to God means you have someone who draws near to you in your hard times, someone who speaks his love over you in those hard times. You have a God who delights in refreshing you. So this is a day to receive Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You hear that? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a day, brothers and sisters, where we center God. This is a day where we draw back toward the worship of the one who deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, the only one who deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. This is a day to reflect upon the goodness of our God 
in who he is and what he says and what he does. Amen, people of God. But this is also a day in which we care for people. There's another side to this day, and it's, it's still unto the Lord, by the way. But it's unto the Lord in a horizontal way. That is, it involves our relationship to others on this day. That, that we are to cease from our normal labors on this day is explicitly stated in this command. Yet I want you to pay attention to what God says to his people in Deuteronomy 5 again. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, your male, that your, that, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were slaves in Egypt, in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty arm, mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. In other words, you are not just to consider your own rest on this day, but you are to give rest to others on this day. You are to ensure that others are unable to enter into God's rest on this day. And not only those who are members of the covenant, but even for the sojourner who is in your midst, you are to, you are to work so that that person can have rest. You see, in our sin, we turn labor into, a, into an oppressive tool. We use other people's labor solely to serve our own greed and our own comfort and our own pleasure. This is exactly what Israel experienced in the empire of Egypt. The Egyptians oppressed Israel, stealing their labor for their own profit, working them ruthlessly without relief and on occasion without the supplies needed for the task. Their physical, emotional, and psychological well-being was of no concern to the Egyptians. The only thing that mattered was what the Israelites could produce. And empire after empire, and business after business, is built in this way for the purpose of maximizing profit over the care of workers. But the Lord listen to this, who owns the world. The Lord who owns the world is the opposite of this. In his care for his creation and for human beings whom he has placed in it, Israel was to keep the Sabbath by setting people free to enter into the blessedness of God's rest. This included, by the way, a Sabbath for the creation itself, which was to be uh, practiced every seven years. Every seven years, the land itself was to have a Sabbath. The land was to be given rest. You were to produce enough in the six years so that the land could rest from use. And I wonder what would happen in a world where this kind of care was practiced in principle. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if stewards of the creation actually stewarded, stewarded it with the same level of care that God himself shows it in his word. I digress. The point in the text before us is rest for human beings, a rest, by the way, that didn't just involve not working. There's a story of one of Jesus' healings. Let me read it in your hearing this morning. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, 
and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it over, lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing by Jesus' own actions. Throughout his ministry, he shows us that the Sabbath is also a day on which it is not only appropriate, but good to care for those who find themselves in circumstances where they are bent over, who find themselves in circumstances that have caused them to bow down. It is a day to come alongside those who are hurting and announce through doing good for them the Lord's rest. Because the Lord's rest is also about people being set free. The Lord's rest is also about people who are bowed down and bent over being able to enter into the same rest that you enjoy. Another way to say it is that while our normal labors are to cease on this day, our labor for the Lord of caring for and about each other is not to cease. I'm not saying that we respond to every request we receive for some things are better dealt with on other days. But if someone is truly in need, this is a day to respond in love. This is a day to set others free so that they might participate in the Lord's rest. This is a day to do good to others. This is a day to show kindness to others. This is a day to show, to show God's love to others. This is a day to show hospitality. This is a day to fellowship with God's people. Amen, people of God. This is a day that we care for others. This is a day where we worship the Lord and center the one who is the center of everything. And this is a day where unto the Lord... We labor in doing the things that God calls us to do in caring for other people. Amen, people of God. <laughs> so I want to share with you some guiding principles for this day. In his book, Confessing the Faith, uh, Chad Van Dixhorn says this regarding the character of this day. He says, indeed, we do well to avoid being overprescriptive in defining the structure and activities of that day. And we should be aware that pious efforts to justify some sensible Sunday activities are often too fancy and ultimately undermine the uniqueness of Sabbath worship and acts of mercy. We do not need to call a walk in the park an act of worship or a deed of of mercy to legitimize it. That would only have the effect of redefining biblical categories so broadly that they could lose their usefulness. Let us be aware of our own needs and strengths, as well as those of others. And then remember the maxim that our Lord left with the Pharisees, it is lawful to do good 
on the Sabbath. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. With this in mind, I want to give you some guiding principles for how we set this day apart as holy versus giving pharisaical prescriptions that do more to bind than to set free. Uh, principle one, we are not, we are not the center of this day. So the questions about keeping the day should not center on what bling, brings us pleasure. If our questions are largely about what we can do to have fun or enjoy ourselves on this day, then our focus is off. There is joy built into the day, but that joy begins with fellowship with the Lord and continues forward in fellowship and care of God's people. This isn't our day in the sense of it being, in the sense of us being the focus. It's the Lord's day. And what this means is spending the day doing what brings glory to God, spending the day doing what God considers as good. And this, of course, means knowing what God considers as good, what He considers as glorifying to Him. And, and that only comes as we train ourselves in the Scriptures. It is there that we find that worship and delighting in God, participating in what makes for peace and rest, fellowship and feasting with fellow Christians, and things that support these bring glory to God on this day. So the day, brothers and sisters, is not about us in that sense. We are not the focus. God is. Amen. Amen. Number two, this day calls us to be open to the ways that God may want to use us to bring mercy to others. Jesus didn't heal on the Sabbath for the sake of being controversial or contrary. Indeed, the only reason people considered his actions to be contrary is because in their sin, they had lost sight of what God considers good. They had lost sight of the concrete ways in which God's redemptive acts had brought freedom to his people and that attached to the, uh, to the Sabbath command was a reminder of his concrete acts of redemption. The Sabbath is a day of freedom, not just from work, but from all forms of oppression and all forms of injustice. As Christians, therefore, we do well where necessity and opportunity allow for it to show care in setting others free to rest. The confession says as much when it instructs us to be taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. That is to worship God and to care for people. Yes. Amen, people of God. And I just want to remind you that the and in points to the fact that mercy is not just an add-on, but part of the character of this day. Thirdly, and lastly, prepare ourselves for the day, ahead of the day, is a final principle that I would impress upon you. And here's what I want to say. If you find yourself or you find that you are spending a good portion of the day thinking about work you didn't get done or work you need to do, it's likely because you haven't prepared yourself by doing as much as you can to handle the week's workload. Even if you have and you have work left over, keeping the day holy includes having faith to leave what is undone in the hands of the Lord. To leave what is undone in the hands of the Lord. One of the things this day reminds me of is that as, human being, is that as a human being, I have limitations. 
And as a human being, you have limitations, built-in limitations that are a part of being a human being. I can't be everywhere at all times. I can't perform every task that presents itself to me in a given day or week. I can't think through every detail all the time at every moment. I can't bear the weight of every emotional hard thing, emotionally hard thing that happens in the world around me. My mind is limited. My body is limited. My heart is limited. And add to this the reality of the way that sin has damaged my mind and body and emotions, and the truth of our limitations becomes all the more apparent. The disciples couldn't even stay awake long enough to pray when asked by their Lord because of their limitations. We do well. We do well to own this by preparing ourselves for the Sabbath so that we are not spending the day trying to overcome the results of our limitations by thinking about what we could have done better or what we need to do tomorrow or the next day or by working to finish what we didn't get done in the day before or making others, making others do the same. <laughs> I got to tell the story. I got to tell them myself. Is that okay with y'all? I got to tell them myself. I was getting ready to come to church this morning. And some of y'all who have kids know this reality. I'm not picking on my kids, but some of y'all have kids know that stuff. My wife yells upstairs, it's time for church. Get ready to go. I say, they're probably not going to listen to that, so I'm going to go upstairs and wake everybody up. So go upstairs, wake kids up. It's time to go. got to get ready. Downstairs to church. Tick, 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 tick. My kids still haven't come downstairs yet. So I go back upstairs. Where is he? My son. He's still in the bed. So I say, hey, man, get up. It's time for church. And you know what? You know what's happening in that moment? My, my, my kindness is turning into something different. Tick, 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 tick. Hey, it's time to go. So now the kindness that was turning into something else now is something else. So now I'm angry because folk ain't moving fast enough. And doggone it, it's the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. It's time to get up and get to worship. Come on, let's go. So now I'm mad. So now I walk in church, and y'all looking at me like, hey, pastor, and my face looks like a person who spent his morning angry versus spending his morning getting his heart ready to come into the house of God to worship the Lord. All I'm saying is that if you just take a little time to prepare, so when we are preoccupied, we miss out on the blessing that God wants to bring to us in worship. Because instead of worshiping the Lord, we're sitting in the room Still frustrated. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't try to. <laughs> you're trying to. <laughs> I know you got to be holy in this moment, but just some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So now you're in this room, and instead of thinking about the Lord and worship 
and what the Lord wants to minister to you and what he wants to say to you and how he wants to bless you, your mind is filled and your heart is filled with focus on all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when we are preoccupied, we miss out on the blessing that God wants to bring to us in worship, fellowship, and mercy because we are focused on our own thoughts, our own worries, and our own plans rather than on what God wants to say to us, what God wants to do for us, what God has for us on this day. So I want to close with a passage in Luke chapter 4 as a picture of what this day brings to those who gather before the Lord. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up and read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Sabbath, brothers and sisters, the Lord's day is freedom. It's freedom for those who follow the Lord. It's freedom because in it we are drawn into the Lord's favor and we are free by grace through faith to worship him as we should, to worship him as the Lord. And it is also freedom because it is a day in which the Lord proclaims freedom to those who are concretely oppressed by life circumstances, a day in which God proclaims freedom to those broken and beat down by the spiritual and physical forces of evil in this world who look to the Lord Jesus for our freedom. I read this to you, so let me read it again. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what the Lord wants to give you every Sabbath? Rest. Rest. Every single Sabbath, every single Lord's Day, the Lord wants to speak into your life what brings rest, what moves you toward the peace of God, and what moves you toward being an agent of rest in the lives of others. That's what this day is about. There is rest, brothers and sisters. There is rest in Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. So let's enjoy that rest every Sabbath. Let's enter into this place and let's receive what the Lord has for us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. We thank you for this day that you have set aside to be a special day in which we draw near to you and you to us a day of worship, a day of reflecting and thinking upon what you have done for us. Father, help us. Help us to do that in this day. Help us uh, to set aside our own labors, our own worries, our own plans, 
and spend this day worshiping, reflecting, thinking upon what you have done for us in Jesus Christ our Lord and setting us free from sin and death and all that flows from it. And help us in this day, Lord, to think about our neighbor, to think about those who are not able to enter into your rest because of some brokenness or hardship or difficulty that is going on in their life. And help us to consider, Lord, how we might move toward our brothers and sisters in a way that cares for them, that they may enter into this rest that you have for all those who trust in you. Lord, I pray, make us a people of rest. Make us a people who center you and our lives and center the care of others who are created in your image and after your likeness. May this, de- may this indeed be a day of worship and fellowship as we are reminded in it of all the goodness of who you are and what you say and in what you do. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.